Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast with deeper dives and cooler takes. I'm E.J. Snyder, Windy City Gridiron's lead draft analyst and my regular co-host. Jeff Burkus is still traveling this week. In his absence, we are really lucky to have Windy City Gridiron's own Bill Zimmerman, and I'm thrilled to be able to say that. Host of the Bears Banter podcast, Bill, thanks so much for joining the podcast. How are you? EJ, I'm doing okay. Looking forward to uh, having a, a good, hopefully productive Bears conversation. Well, I think we can always look forward to productive conversation, maybe more so than what we're seeing on the field. But uh, before we get started, it is Bears over beers. So did you bring one? It's the, it's the big question for all the guests. Oh, I've got, uh, I've got a beer. Nice. There's, there's no doubt. About it. And um, for me... I had, to, I had to think about it because I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, this is my first time on a um, on a Bears Over Beers podcast. I wanted to make sure that I was I was right in line with what you guys go for. And for me, I said there's no better type of beer right now for me to reflect how I'm feeling as a Chicago Bears fan than a bitter. <laughs> oh that's so lovely a that you brought a beer and b that it is themed so which bitter did you grab so i actually had something downstairs i have a bluebird bitter uh it's you know i like it it's uh you know not it's not my favorite beer but you know look sometimes you just have to have what you have in your in your refrigerator in your house it gets the job done um and like i said it just kind of needed to th- fit the theme of where I am here after the last, you know, three Chicago Bears football games. Yeah, we are a themed podcast for sure. So excellent work. We'll check in on how the bitters treating you at the end of the podcast. I uh, stayed away from the bitterness because I've been on Bears Twitter this week, so I've had plenty of bitterness. Uh, but I went back to a brewer that um, I've had on the podcast before, 10 Barrel Brewing, but I have a different offering from them. It is their winter ale, and it is uh, entitled Pray for Snow, and since it's getting cold outside, we're having to scrape the windows now. Felt appropriate that way and stayed away from all those, um, yeah, not-so-pleasant feelings about Bears football, so we will drown our sorrows. We'll get these opened up and get it going. Oh... All right, and with that, we will dive into our Chargers recap. Chargers came into Soldier Field near last in the league in many offensive and defensive categories, still managed to squeak out a win versus the Bears 17-16, as Chicago was unable to convert that last-second field goal attempt. Uh, The Bears showed a renewed commitment to the run uh, with some very solid results. We'll talk about that in detail. Helped move the offense down the field with a lot greater regularity. Trubisky looked uh, very different than he has all season. Still wasn't tremendous, but did some things we haven't seen him do consistently in 2019. Stood in the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, delivered some solid throws, even ran when he needed to, but... Made some big mistakes. We'll talk about those as well. But the big difference I feel like in the Chargers game was the Bears, I'm going to term it, abject failure in the red zone. I'm going to credit a Kevin Fishbane tweet here. The Bears ran 16 plays in the red zone in the first half for a total of 14 yards. Nine of their plays inside the Chargers' 10-yard line went for zero yards. 
with that kind of production, the Bears aren't going to win any football games. And if they'd converted even a couple of those opportunities, I think they walk away in this game and don't look back. Uh, what'd you see in the Chargers game, Bill? Well, I, you, you call it right there. The the failures in the red zone were exactly what stood out. That is That was the absolute number one problem that they had in this game. The offense from the 20 to the 20 looked pretty good. I mean, if you, again, you play that old thing. If you told me, if you told me that the Bears were going to have about 380, 390 yards of total offense against the Chargers, you know, and tell me what the Chargers, you know, would run the football in, in the kind of offensive production the Chargers would have. Heck, if you told me Ken Wisenhunt was going to be fired after the game, I'm like, well, this is a win. This is great. The Bears are turning things around. But that red zone production, and it was, it was a group failure. You cannot sit there and say the red zone production was a failure of Mitch Trubisky. You cannot just say it was a failure of Matt Nagy. You cannot say it was a failure of David Montgomery or the offensive line or the receiver. It was a failure of the entire group. And if only half of them performed, I, I'm with you. I think they get one or two of those converted and they get a victory. Yeah, it was really rough to watch. Uh, I watched this game uh, at a bar. And, of course, the other games, the other NFL games are on the other TVs next to it. And every time the Bears got in the red zone, I focused in. And it just seems like Nagy has, I don't have another term for it, brain lock inside the 20. Uh, his, his play calling has been suspect this year, but... A lot of the plays he lined up inside the 20 and especially inside the 10, they just look like high school plays. They look like, you know, mid draw into the middle of the defense with not much movement, stuff like that. There's so much talent and dynamism on the offense and all of that goes away inside the 20. It just locks down and it doesn't even look like they have a chance. They just look really, really lost in that area of the field. Yeah. And I think, Look, I think Matt Nagy does plenty of creative things, and you know I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about kind of the offense and, and, and how it looked overall, not just in this game, but, but in the last several games. And the one thing I'll say is that Matt Nagy, when he has some space to utilize, he can scheme open receivers. But when I think you're right. When you get down to the red zone, things change up a little bit, and you know, why, and again, he was a little lost post-game, so I don't know if he was covering for something, but why you're running a slant with Adam Adam Shaheen, not a fade, why the I-formation is great to use, which, look, I, 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 I applaud him for doing something that's completely anti-Matt Nagy, running the I-formation, getting Holton there with, with lead blocking and really making some success in the running game, but inside the 20, well, we're not going to try that. We're... The, the, the thing that I think drives a lot of Bears fans nuts is how cute is the word everyone likes to say Matt Nagy likes to be. And while a lot of times that can work, especially if your quarterback is, is running the offense properly, when you have space on the football field, when you get in the red zone, being cute all the time does not work. You want to mix in a shuffle pass here or there or, or one of your little misdirections or something cute. I'm, I'm okay with that, but sometimes – you just need to line up and just be better than the opposition. Yeah, I agree. And I, I liked your point about it being a group failure. The play calling wasn't great. The execution from all the groups was not tremendous. And I just walked away wondering, he seemed to pack it in a lot too, in terms of tight formations. And again, with the offensive line, not sort of 
winning the power battle, uh, I would say regularly, especially in those compressed spaces, I thought, man, why doesn't this guy line up four wide receivers? He's got David Montgomery just blowing over people. Give him some space, spread it out, and then you know, run a one-play read, which again, Mitch hasn't shown a great ability to do in the last couple weeks, but give yourself a chance. You got all these dynamic route runners out there. You've got guys like Javon Wims with big size advantage over some of those corners. You know, give yourself a chance. And instead it was pack it in, make it nice and tight, and it just didn't seem to have much much breath at all. And, and and one thing really quick about what you were talking about is about kind of spreading it out and letting Montgomery have some space, which I completely agree. The the most mind-numbing thing about that is that Mark Helfrich is the offensive coordinator whose offense at Oregon was all about sm- spreading the field and giving your quarterback space, spreading out the defense. It's It's really remarkable that he's sitting there in the quarterback room and in the coach's room and look, maybe it is being discussed and Nagy doesn't want to do it. I, look, I don't the one, I'll be honest. The one thing I really don't know about this coaching staff, because I know Nagy's the head coach, but this offense is Matt Nagy's and we all know it is. I don't really know what Mark Helfrich does. And, you know, unless we're in the coaches room, no one does. And no one's really crediting him or or blaming him. So he may be great. He may be terrible. I have no idea what he's bringing to the offense. But certainly when some of his college concepts you could bring to this team and, you know, potentially have success, why they're not even trying it sometimes is is really, truly remarkable. Yeah, you've got so many good options there when you do spread it out. And, you know, we talk about Montgomery running really well. We'll talk about that in a second. But the other thing is Trubisky actually ran for the first time almost all year. He had about three rushes coming into this game. He had a couple of decent rushes in this game. And if you spread it out at the goal line, and even if you go to the pass, Trubisky fades back a few yards. If it opens up, Trubisky can get to the end zone. You've got another option with a mobile quarterback with a good set of legs. So you just seems like you multiply your chances when you spread it out and the bears are kind of doing the opposite and again i'm with you i'm not exactly sure why they don't seem to have an identity and they just don't seem to they just don't really seem to know what they want to do when they get down that deep inside the red zone but let's flip to something positive about the bears the run defense came to play this game which was really cool to see um the first several rushes by the chargers who are not a tremendous rushing team looked like the first several rushes of the vikings game uh, everybody collapsed in the front seven there wasn't a lot of air running backs weren't getting a lot of extra yards uh, and that definitely set the tone at the start the defense played really well Roquan morphed back into his old wide-ranging self started whacking people and tracking people down on the sidelines that was great to see he's been away from that but what happened to the pass rush here I mean we've talked about the the lack of Akeem Hicks for the the last couple of weeks on the podcast Mack ended up with a sack and a hit and yeah Aaron Lynch had three quarterback hits but Rivers in general had a lot of time what's the deal with the Bears pass rush right now you know, I wish I could pinpoint it, and sure, Akeem Hicks is a significant loss. We, we we all know how great he is because, you know, it's one of those things you can't double-team everybody. And, and when, when Hicks is there, he presents so many problems for the opposing offense, especially 
when, you know, Pagano wants to move him around a little bit, especially with Khalil Mack. You know, I've, I've seen him. You see him on opposite sides. You see him lining up next to each other. You see all, all the time the things that Pagano like to do. And without him there, sure, you know, there, you know, we know that Nick Williams has made some plays or Bilal Nichols and some of this. Stuff. We, we, we understand that the defensive line depth is is pretty good. But when you lose a dynamic guy like that, it certainly hurts. And it's it's difficult to pinpoint. And certainly offenses are focusing on Mac and they're neutralizing him pretty well. I mean, he's always going to make a play or two, whether you know, he gets in there and causes a fumble, recovers a fumble, like you said, the sack, he'll get a little pressure. But I mean, when when he's there's I mean, it's not just double teams. They're 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 throwing three blockers at him, you know, frequently. When that's happening. You, you need to be able to win one-on-one battles, and I'm just not seeing it happen enough. And, you know, maybe Pagano needs to dial up a blitz here or there to try and get the offense off balance. You know, he, he hasn't – he hasn't. I thought I was going to see him bring pressure a lot more often than he has, just kind of bring the house. He did it a couple times against the Packers. It, it, you know, every once in a while you'll see it, but it's not as – look, it's not as much as I thought Chuck Pagano would do, but – I, to me, right now, for whatever the reason, and, and you, if you want to point to Hicks, I, I, I'm not going to argue that. When when the when the offenses are focused on neutralizing Mac, you need those other guys to win one-on-one battles, and it's just not happening that much. And look, Leonard Floyd, he's becoming a productive backer. I I, I you know overall, I think. Fans should be pleased with where Leonard Floyd is, but the problem is Leonard Floyd was brought in here to be an edge and get to the quarterback, and that's not where Leonard Floyd's developing, and that's not where he—I don't think that's ever where he's going to be. So right now, they're just not getting enough outside of Mac, and the the offenses can focus on Mac, and they're just not getting—I'm just not seeing one-on-one victories for defensive linemen. Yeah, it's amazing uh, how little conversation or or reason to have conversation there's been about guys like Roy Robertson Harris, who looked like a beast in the preseason, and with Hicks in the lineup, he was he was taking advantage of those opportunities because again they were having to shade towards Hicks and Mac, and that left him with little or no pressure, and he was taking advantage. And since Hicks has left the lineup, I can't remember more than one or two total plays where Roy Robertson Harris was even in frame. He's just not making any impact. And that's your point about guys needing to win the one-on-ones. Pressure's another one. Pagano brought it for the first three or four weeks. I really thought he was going to bring it in the Oakland game. He didn't. Uh, Again, the team came out really flat. I expected them to blitz the heck out of the safeties in the Oakland game. Didn't happen there either. Uh, And then this week, yeah, it was strangely absent. You know, you're expecting, hey, go after Rivers. He's not a terribly mobile guy anymore. See if you can really force him, not necessarily with a zero blitz, but definitely a slot blitz, maybe Buster Screen, maybe Eddie Jackson. Those guys have shown the ability to do that this year. And it just didn't happen. And the result was a veteran guy like Philip Rivers, who reads his routes very, very well, has plenty of time to throw the ball didn't really capitalize let's let's be honest the Chargers offense didn't exactly tear it up in this game but if you put Rivers on the ground hard a couple times in the first half I think it's a different game again and the Bears might I'm not going to say walk away but at least win the game 
Yeah, look, I think I think it's a fair point. Um, but to extend on what you said, you know, Rivers and the offense overall really didn't take advantage of the fact that he had a lot of time and the defense did keep things bottled up. And obviously the one crushing drive that ended up being the difference was off the Trubisky fumble. And of course, Melvin Gordon finishes off with the nice run. Look, I've had some questions as to where the defensive mindset has been the last couple weeks. I think there's been some frustration building in that locker room. I've kind of heard some things that the frustration has been building. I think we've seen some body language even on the field that would, would tend to lean that way. So you got to wonder when the offense is being anemic and the defense is just trying to get you three and out, three and out, three and out. Now, I didn't see that against the Chargers, but I do have to wonder if the defense came back out there after that Trubisky fumble with slumped shoulders and, you know, quickly got taken advantage of because that was the one drive, really, the entire game where you sat there and went, what, what is happening? It was just, it, I mean, two plays and bam, it's over. Yeah, nobody's talking about that. I'm really glad that you brought it up. If you didn't, I was going to because the offense has certainly taken the slings and arrows. Obviously, the kicker is is picking up a lot of trash for, for missing the field goal at the end. But the defense played very well all day, very well, back to the sort of early season form, except for that drive, and nobody talks about it. You looked up, it's a huge play to Williams, they're down the field in a couple plays and they score, and it was like, you're holding them, you're holding them, you're holding them, and then all of a sudden you just let them right down the field, and it was in really stark contrast to how well they were playing, and I have heard almost zero about that in all the vitriol on bears twitter and everything else and again the defense has played much better than the offense in general this year but nobody's holding them to account for that one drive that's easily the difference in this game yeah and look you want to say it's unfair because we'll sit there and say well you know how often do you need the defense to hold how often do you need the defense to hold but look the bottom line is you want to be an elite defense. You want to be called an elite defense. You know, I, you know, going into this year, they wanted to talk. They were Eddie Jackson and, and this defense was talking 85 bears kind of that's that was their mindset and their mentality. They're obviously not there. They're still very good. They've definitely shown some warts this year. However, I don't care how bad the offense is. You cannot be taken advantage of like that. You are too good of a unit to just get the ball shoved down your throats like that. The Raider game was embarrassing to see the defense play like that. The Saints, most of that was in the second half. The defense kind of hung in there in the first half. That was that was a very difficult, almost untenable situation for the defense. Maybe you can give them a pass on how everything unraveled there because the whole game unraveled. And like you said, it was a very good performance against against the Chargers, very similar to what we saw with Green Bay and Denver. Washington was different. That was that felt like the 2018 Bears defense to me, and that's the only game where I felt it, the 2018 Bears defense. But in this one, that's just a drive that cannot happen, especially that quickly. Like, And, then, you know, it's a blink of an eye. There's a touchdown on the board, and you're just kind of standing there Fans are staring at the TV. I'm guessing the players were kind of shell-shocked on the sidelines going, what just happened in literally three plays. Yeah, it was it was a turning point early. And again, there wasn't that much time before half. If they had even slowed them, Chargers at best have to settle for a field goal there. And again, that in a game this close, that's the difference. So I don't hear a lot about the defense being held to account for that. I understand uh, the balance, but 
Let's swap back to the offense that we were talking about. And one of the good things about this, and hey, if we're going to talk about all the bad stuff, and we've been doing that plenty, we got to talk about the good stuff too. The bottom line is Matt Nagy said famously now, I'm not an idiot. I know we need to run the ball more. Montgomery comes out, he commits, he goes to the I formation, he brings in a fullback, he sticks with it, gives him a bunch of carries, and uh, let's just call it what it was. Montgomery had his coming out party against the Chargers, and it was pretty damn glorious. It, it, it was it was fantastic. It was the quintessential, this is why you traded up to get this guy. Obviously, this was a guy, Pace and Nagy, I'm sure both looked at and said, this is the guy that I can put in my offense and look, because the offense has been so anemic, we haven't seen Montgomery really do anything at all. You see flashes where, where he – look, the end of that Washington game, I felt like the offensive line wasn't helping him, and Montgomery was getting yards on his own on a lot of those plays. So you saw it there. You've seen some flashes. But to just say, all right, we're going to give you a little help. We're going to just – you know, we're going to straight up block the offensive line did a lot of good things in the run game, was really pleased with with where they are. Honestly, I'm pretty pleased with the offensive line out of the bye here. I think that there's there's been a lot of improvement, especially to where they were. But to just say, all right, and, and not just, like, like you said, he didn't just commit to the run and do the Matt Nagy run. Because, look, I am a Matt Nagy fan, but Matt Nagy really struggles to scheme a running game. There's There's no doubt about it, you know, Look, I, I was as critical as anyone about Jordan Howard last year, but you see Jordan Howard now with Doug Peterson, and he's back to being a fa- he's not he's not a franchise you know back, but he is a guy who's very productive in the right offense, and Doug Peterson is using him just like he used Legarrette Blunt, and he's getting plenty of success with him. And Matt Nagy couldn't do that last year, and now Matt Nagy couldn't do it with David Montgomery. So I'll give him credit where he finally said, "All right, I formation fullback, let's run downhill." Let's offensive linemen love to grind on the defensive line. They love to just power the ball down the throats of the defense. And Nagy just he, he teed up the offensive line and said, let's just go after it. I formation, kind of old school, if that's what you want to call it. And he had success, which was great to see. And David Montgomery proved, like you said, coming out party, that this is a guy who can be a focal point of an offense. Yeah, and we saw that in in a lot of the little things that he did, uh, three-yard runs that turned into seven-yard runs, um, the ability to follow, the ability to pound and twist. Uh, That 55-yard burst looked like a lot of stuff he did at Iowa State. Again, he got caught from behind. That looked like Iowa State, too. That was the one knock on Montgomery was the lack of the long speed. And But again, you'll take the 55-yard chunk uh, on a pound right up off right power. So that's really solid, and it just gave so much balance not only to the offense to be able to sustain drives, but also keeps the defense on the sideline burns a little bit of clock keeps them fresher and they played like it so it had so many positives i'm really glad that Nagy was able to get away from uh, you know a franchise low seven rushing attempts which seemed just completely atypical and say nope we're gonna we're gonna change up what we do we're gonna go back to this it's gonna pay dividends i'm gonna stick with it even if we have a couple of two and three yard runs i'm not gonna quit it 
And uh, I thought that was a win all the way around. Now, obviously, the Bears didn't turn it into a win, but that doesn't change Montgomery's performance. He played with heart. He ran routes. He caught the ball. He ran very, very hard. And those are all good things moving forward, really kind of no matter what happens with this team. But let's talk about what happens with this team. The trade deadline was today. We're recording on Tuesday night. It came and went without any movement from the Bears. Uh, That surprised some people, not others. And now we really have to look at the rest of the season. There's not a lot of options for improving your quarterback play. You're going to be you're going to be riding Mitch Trubisky as long as he can walk out onto the field. We know what Chase Daniel brings. He's a he's a known. And for those that think Tyler Bray is the second coming of whatever, they're wrong. He's on the practice squad for a reason. So the Bears quarterback position, which is largely the focus of what they need to do or get better at, uh, is pretty fixed for the rest of the year. We're going to be seeing Trubisky, and can he improve? Sure, he's got a lot of room to improve. Will he improve? He improved some on Sunday. He's got to improve a lot more to get to sort of even a midline level of standard NFL play. But look, this is his third year. We were going to pass judgment at the end of this year, but I think we've probably seen enough right about now to know that he is not going to be the guy, the franchise moving forward. I think most people would agree with that. Now, miracles do happen, and if it does, I will be as happy as anyone, especially as a Bears fan. But historically, a bunch of people have looked at this over the last week, and quarterbacks that weren't good in their third year don't suddenly become good later on regardless of the situation so the bears are kind of staring down the barrel of the fact that trubisky's not the guy what do the bears do at the end of this season well i mean there's there's a lot you just peeled back there on the uh the onion because i think a lot of bears fans want to cry when they talk uh, when they're talking about the quarterback situation so 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 kind of let's look at the hole here and 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 let's start with with this season because you you brought that up and if I'm going to look at this objectively, truly objectively about this team, with that loss to the Chargers, now I thought it was after the Saints, but with that loss to the Chargers, that basically ended their season. If you're just going to look at this objectively, the Packers are going to win this division, or maybe the Vikings if they stay hot. But the Bears certainly are not catching these teams. You have the Packers and the Vikings. There's only two wild cards. doesn't matter if the Cowboys win the NFC East at 7-9. and nine. It's irrelevant got two wild card spots between the Seahawks and and the Vikings and then even even teams like the Rams and and the Panthers possibly the Bears simply weren't going to make the playoffs so at that point and this is where where I bring this up is because there was oh they need to trade for Nick Foles they need to trade for Marcus Mariota they need to trade like people wanted a quarterback first of all you can't bring a quarterback in teach him this offense in a week and a half and 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 trot him out there to, to start trying to win games it doesn't work. I understand that's why people said, oh, well, Nick Foles already knows a similar system. It doesn't work like that with, with quarterback play. And none of these guys are, are true saviors. So I thought the Bears were going to make a move. I thought Taylor Gabriel was going to get traded because I don't think he's back next year. So even if you just get a seventh-round pick for him, you're getting something. But from from this standpoint, they weren't going to trade for a quarterback. They're at a situation where this season is unfortunately kind of a playing out the string and seeing where you're at. And for this Bears franchise, they need to know going into the offseason 100% that Mitch Trubisky is not the guy. I know we're all comfortable saying it, but it's a lot different for us as fans to say that rather than Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy when they sit down with ownership 
And seven games ago, you know, on August 30th, when they sat down with ownership, they said, we're ready to run for the Super Bowl. Mitch Trubisky's our guy. And now, not even two months later, you can't sit down with ownership and just be like, oh, yeah, we we got to blow up the quarterback position. It's not that easy. I mean, this, this is, uh, in essence, a business, a corporation, whatever you want to call it. Everyone has to answer to everyone. So the Bears need to sit there and see what they can get out of Trubisky. Maybe he improves. Maybe we see a miracle. I don't see it happening. You said you don't see it happening. But they need to be able to have a full workup of a season so they can sit down with 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 George and Ted at the end of the year and say, look, you know, Ryan Pace raises his hand, says, I think I've done a lot of right things for this franchise. This wasn't one of them. And we need to move on. So you want to say, what can they do? There's a lot of different options. But I think the number one thing right now is to realize that the way Pace built this roster and constructed the salaries, the window for the Super Bowl was this year, next year, and a little bit, you know, 2021. You know, they might have to tweak some things with with salaries, but that's kind of where it was. Then a lot of paydays were going to come up and, and, you know, receipts were going to be due and it was going to be a little more difficult. So spending a second round pick on a quarterback, I'm not saying don't do that, but sending, spending one of your second round picks on a quarterback and trotting them out there as a rookie and saying, let's go win the Super Bowl. There's not too many Ben Roethlisberger's out there that end up doing that. So you need to look at a veteran quarterback who's going to be available. And that's tough to do because quarterbacks don't grow on trees because if you have a good one, that franchise will hold on to it for 15 years. So they need to look veteran. And the guy to me, whether you like him or not, that jumps out the page right now is Marcus Mariota. Yeah, Mariota's got obviously links to Mark Helfrich. We talked about that. He was productive. He's had a um, somebody compared him to a Cutler-esque run. In Tennessee, five different offensive coordinators in that time never really hit his stride. A lot of people are piling on him about that. I liked Mariota coming out. I thought he was much better than Marcus or, or Winston. I, you know, I still think some of that's there. Now, do I think he turns the franchise around, runs them to the Super Bowl? I don't think he does. Do I think he has talent and can be a placeholder until they get back to having a first-round pick, which is usually where you find franchise quarterbacks is in the top half of the first round? I I could see that happening. There's some other options out there. Do the Saints let Teddy Bridgewater go? I don't think they do after this season, but they could. Um, Josh Rosen exists in Miami. He's had a similar but much shorter run than Marcus Mariota in a couple of somewhat disastrous years with Arizona last year. Gets traded away basically through no fault of his own to a, a team that's openly tanking. Gets benched. Um, you know, his stock couldn't be lower. I wouldn't have minded acquiring him, uh, not again to play this year, but again, get a head start on the system. There's some salary control there. And maybe he shows that first round talent that he had graded out. Um, he was my top quarterback that year. So I would have liked to see it again, not as a savior for this year to displace Mitch, but Chase Daniels gone after the year, the bears quarterback cupboard is really pretty empty because Trubisky has blown up in grand style um, and not the way we all hoped he would uh, in the positive direction, but he has regressed pretty significantly from the end of last season. And if he doesn't uh, flip it around really, really quickly, I, I don't see very many 
viable options for trying him out for a full slate next year and saying we're going to try and win with this. So it would be a switch at that point. But I think they're going to need some real competition. It's going to be veterans and guys they grab uh, you know, as cast-offs from other teams or, or low-round trade additions. Um, again, that's not usually going to lead you to a Super Bowl, but it should give you some competitiveness, again, if the defense can balance out. So it's going to be a mixed bag for the next year, year and a half. Now, people that are saying stand pat and don't do anything for two years, I don't really believe in that either because you're going to lose the roster. Nobody wants to play with no hope of winning. But the Bears' options are pretty limited. They've they've traded out of the first round. They don't have a ton of draft capital. You can't keep trading that stuff away, even though Bill O'Brien thinks you can in Houston. His bill's going to come due long after he goes. Um, it's not a great strategy for team building. So the Bears are in a tough spot. I would you know they obviously have to play Trubisky down the stretch here. See what they've got. I'm with you there. I hope that he continues to improve and play better. Does that mean you trot him out as the unquestioned starter with no competition next year? I think that's a recipe for absolute disaster. He's he's proved to be, if anything, not terribly consistent. So let's not bet the farm on him and pick up some talent and see who can play quarterback for next year. Then really set your sights on 2021. But as you said, that's a balancing act with salary. So the only thing I'd say is guys that don't necessarily uh, have a future next year, I would have liked to see some of them moved at the trade deadline. Gabriel's one, hey, you're going to give Wims and Ridley some extra playing time. You're going to open up a spot on the roster and give them some development this year because you're not going to get much else out of this year, like you said. So it's a really interesting place for the Bears to be. It's not great. It's not a sunny and rosy outlook for sure. We could see some wins here and there, some maybe revenge wins against the Packers or things like that, some spoiler wins against the Vikings as they try and win the division, something like that. But we're going to kind of have to settle in and, and watch what happens and just take the good with you know the good and enjoy the, the positive moments, maybe few and far between. Hope that Mac rebounds a little bit and gives us some defensive fireworks down the stretch. But it's not a great outlook. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, toss in an ad here and we will come back with an eagles preview in just a second all right next up for the bears is the philadelphia eagles and in the preview show we did with lester wilfong uh we talked about how excited we were about this matchup when the team was in a very different place a lot of talent on both sides of the ball we were thinking that this was going to be a great measuring stick for the bears marching towards the super bowl against a team that's been there fairly recently and is loaded with talent. Um, now, I think the outlook for the Philadelphia game is quite different. Philadelphia is 4-4, four and four, good for second in their division. Second in their division, Bill. How does that happen that a 500 team is second in their division? But they've been up and down all year. They won the opener, lost two, won two, lost another two, and won their last one. So they haven't been all that consistent either. But look, we've talked about all the problems Chicago has to solve. Um, goes in, They're going to go into a tough road environment here with one of the strongest home crowds in the league. I think it's going to be a really tough game for the Bears to walk away with from a W. I mean, it's possible, but what do you see walking into Philadelphia this week? I think you're you're 100% right. I think this is a game where the Bears should struggle. Now, look, based on how this season has gone, this the, the Bears could just come out of nowhere and, and play fantastic football. It's not something I'm expecting to see. Like you said, this is this is a tough environment for them to play in. 
The, the Eagles have a, a talented roster at a lot of different positions. And, and to me, there was a, a glimmer of hope for me about this game as we were approaching it and kind of coming out of the bye because I was sitting there going, and maybe I was drinking too much Kool-Aid. The, you know, <laughs> thought, the Raider, thought the Raider game was, was, was not, was an anomaly and not, and not anything about what was happening. No Kamara, no Breeze, maybe some good, and, and a home game, maybe some good things can happen with the Saints. The Chargers are a mess. And at the time, the Eagles were not playing well. But we see what this Eagles team can be when they beat a very good Buffalo Bills team last week. And this is a team that has, you know, look, the the Bears have a good run defense, but the Bears also have been run against like they did with Josh Jacobs. So they have to be careful there with between, you know, Miles Sanders and, of course, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is going to be hungry in this game. He is going to run hard. I know Jordan Howard has a lot of friends in this locker room, but Jordan Howard does not, I'm pretty confident, does not like what happened with this Bears franchise. He's got a chip on his shoulder about it, and he's going to want to crack 100 yards and get in that end zone. That is going to be a focal point to, to keep an eye on. Carson Wentz, he's, look, he has all the talent to do this. He's up and down. He's, you know, from, from I don't have the stats in front of me. I think he's a better home quarterback than he is a road quarterback. I think the, the stats are pretty significant there. I think the Bears are going to have problems, and I think I don't see the Bears keeping this within one score. How's that? That's that's fair enough. I believe that. Philadelphia is an interesting team when you look at them this year. They're 14th in points, averaging 25.2. They're 21st in yards, 343 yards a game, just over. The passing yards versus the rushing yards. If I asked you just flat out without the stats in front of you, do you think they're more highly ranked in passing yards or rushing yards? If I asked you that question before the season, which one would you think they're higher higher ranked in? But before the season, I would have absolutely have said passing yards um, with, with Wentz and knowing what kind of quarterback he can be with. We saw that MVP season he was putting together before he got hurt and obviously Foles wins the Super Bowl. So from from that vantage point, I, I would say that. But from what I've seen, you know, the the, the Eagles have produced a, a very solid rushing attack that is not easy to stop. Yeah, they're back to that three headed rushing attack that we saw. You mentioned Legarrette Blount. Um, the the Eagles probably rotate their backs more effectively than just about any team in the league, and it's showing up this year. They're 13th in rush yards, averaging 125 a game. They're 21st in passing yards, averaging only 218 yards a game. So pretty, again, a pretty serious tilt from what I think we all thought the Eagles were going to be. But again, credit to that coaching staff being adaptable, using the talent, as you said, that they have on hand and and putting them in situations to excel. So I think it's going to be a very difficult task. I think the defense comes to play here. They they looked uh, to play with renewed vigor. This is Chicago's defense. They played with renewed vigor against the Chargers. I think they'll put up a decent showing against Philadelphia, but they are going to be under serious, serious pressure. 
because I don't think any of us thinks that the offense is going to hold up their end of the ball game right now in terms of keeping Philadelphia off the field and really, quite frankly, putting up points. They might chew up some time. They might chew up some clock. They might chew up some rushing yards, but I don't think they're going to throw a lot of points on the board. At least I don't have a ton of confidence in that right now. So that means the defense's margin for error is, again, really small. Um, Philly, an incredibly hostile place to play as a road team. So what do you think the three things that Chicago needs to focus on to even have a chance here? We don't, we don't think they're going to squeak out the victory, but um, to keep themselves in the ballgame, what's, what's something you think Philly really, or Chicago really needs to focus on against the Eagles? All right, well, and, and we've just been talking about it, and I said it there, so I'll reiterate the point, and that's first of all going to be bottling up this rushing attack that, that you talked about is, 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 a, is a very good, well-put-together, rotate-the-backs, the offensive line, I mean, if, if you saw the, the Eagles and the Packers game on, on prime time a few weeks ago, the, the offensive line is capable of opening up massive holes. Now, I don't expect that to happen against this, this Bears defense because, like, you know, we, we've talked about this is a good run defense. We need to see Roquan Smith be that guy. Roquan Smith's very important for this, this, for this running game. When Rokon Smith, and I know he's clearly, he's been dealing with something this year. No one seems to know exactly what's going on. I don't know if it's affected his play. He's been very tentative in games, backpedaling, very bizarre thing. Uh, you know, just not the Roquan Smith that we saw just attack as a rookie, especially as the season progressed. We saw more of that, you know, last last week. Him and Trevathan, I think, are going to be really important. We know how important Hicks is in terms of disrupting the, the the run game. Eddie Goldman is going to obviously be seeing constant double teams. So these linebackers are going to have to step up. So I think they definitely, definitely need to see, um, you know, st- stop the run game. And, you know, you don't have to you don't have to shut it down completely, but you have to bottle it up for the most part. Uh, the other thing I think that's really important that we're going to have to see, and, and obviously I think I think this is pretty obvious, but I think Mitch Trubisky, he needs to be effective in the passing game. You need to have – I don't need to see Mitch Trubisky perfect, but the Eagles' defense is going to give the Chicago Bears some opportunities to get some chunk yards and make plays. They, they you know, th- this defense is not – you know the Reggie White defense for, from from the '90s, this in, in the '80s. This defense, you know, it has has some good players on it, but it has a lot of issues as well. For me, when those chunk yard plays are available, Mitch, first of all, he has to see them, and second of all, he has to hit them. That's you know, to do that, keep the defense off balance. The one thing the Bears were really good at last year, even when they weren't running the ball, is they were really good at time of possession. They kept the defense off the field, you know, and, and Nagy kept us in, in a lot of third and short situations that Trubisky could convert. And most of the time when you looked at the games, at the end, end, end of games, the Bears had 35, 37, 38 minutes of time of possession, kept the defense fresh, and the defense was able to attack. The Eagles with this rushing attack will have a tendency to win the time of possession battle. So I'd like to see the Bears, one, stop the running game, two, Mitch you know, cashing it on some chunk yardage on offense, on some big plays, and three, win the time of possession battle. If they do all three of those things, I don't know if they can, they do all three of those things, I could expect a Chicago Bear at victory or at least it coming down to the wire. 
Yeah, if, I think if the Bears take this game with the Eagles down to the wire, it is a victory whether they win it or not in their current state. Like you said, Mitch is going to have his opportunities. The Bears passing offense in general, not just Mitch, is going to have their opportunities. The Eagles defense is terribly depleted at the cornerback spot. You were talking about that primetime game versus the Packers. Some of their, uh, one of their corners was injured in that game right towards the end. But even before that, the Packers were absolutely tearing at the corners and the corners were showing almost no fight. And since then, they've even had more injuries. So the Eagles cornerback situation is pretty dire. I'm sure uh, A-Rob is is looking forward to a very productive game. He's going to be able to whip pretty much anybody he lines up uh, across from on that defense. Um, and we've got to see Gabriel and Miller kind of, well, we've got to see Gabriel show up. He's been absent for a couple of weeks Miller showed some more against the Chargers all three of those guys are going to have to put those corners under pressure and again like you said Mitch is going to have to see him and hit him and if he can do that even just a few times two three times for big chunk yardage down the field it's going to loosen up that running game I think the Bears have to continue to pound the ball they found some success there they found some balance there maybe even i I think identity is too strong a word, but they're leaning towards having an identity and saying, hey, we can do this with regularity and success. You need to keep that going. So they need to pound the ball. Mitch has got to be able to hit those opportunities. The receivers have got to be able to win versus what is a terrible cornerback core right now. And then they got to be able to hit Carson Wentz. They've got to come up with a little bit more pressure. If that's guys like Roy Robertson-Harris kicking in a few, or maybe even Eddie Goldman getting his one or three that he gets every year. If they start hitting Wentz, good things are going to happen. Um, We could see Fuller with another pick. Uh, I'd love to see Eddie Jackson get back on that stat sheet for you know getting his hands on balls picking them off running them back uh jackson as we seem to have forgotten because he hasn't played great this year when he gets his hands on the ball is always a threat to score he's got that return ability that he brought with him from alabama and we just haven't seen that this year couple of plays like that could be the difference in this game. Eddie Jackson gets his hands on a ball and runs it back 45 yards for a touchdown. That's going to put the Bears in a very effective spot where they can continue to run the ball, grind the clock, keep the defense fresh, and then take some shots at Carson Wentz. And the last one is you got to have red zone plays that don't look like they were pulled from your local Little (laughs) League team. Uh, you got to have some variety, maybe spread it out, maybe let Helfrich call some plays. I even tweeted out last Sunday, hey, can we just crowdsource this? Can we have like college offensive coordinators submit a package of five consecutive plays, and if they score, they get to do it again? If not, they're gone, and we try the next one. Would it be worse at this point? It just doesn't seem like it could be. Yeah, and and look, and I think the one thing you said, and you, you didn't want to use identity, but where I'll give Nagy some credit where – we have not seen this before is Matt Nagy has always had his offense and his players need to run his offense. What we saw finally from him against, I almost said San Diego against the chart. <laughs> Put me right there with Tom Brenneman. No, it happens. Um, it happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What we saw against the chargers was him saying, all right, my offense right now for whatever the reason, is not working with this personnel. You want to blame the quarterback, blame the quarterback. You want to, you want to blame the play call. I, it doesn't matter. It wasn't working. So what are we going to do? We'll, we'll I formation. We'll run downhill. We'll do some different things. I think what Matt Nagy needs to continue to do, 
It doesn't have. I'm not saying I formation is the only solution here to the running game. You know, you brought up the idea of, of, of you know, four wide, spread them out, and and really, you know, give David Montgomery some room in the middle of the field to make some guys miss and and do what he does. So let's continue as as this Bears offense tries to find this identity to not sit there and say, well, Matt Nagy needs to run it his way. He needs to sit there and continue and look at, all right, what are the strengths of my guys and how am I going to change the offense I want to run into what can be efficient for this offense enough to get some points on the board? We saw them start to do that last week. We need to continue to see this offense evolve and and not do what it's been because it's not working. Matt Nagy is, you know, supposedly a good offensive mind. I do think he's a good offensive mind. I think he's stubborn in a lot of ways and needs to learn how to adapt, you know, make some make some changes to what he wants to do on his game plan at halftimes and things like that. We haven't seen that enough. This was the first time we really saw a big change. He needs to continue to do that and figure things out. Go, how can I get, you know, Allen Robinson the ball more in positions where he can attack? What can I do to have David Montgomery do this? Can I get Trey Burton involved? Trey Burton's been open a few times in the scene. He's done nothing this season. You know, you can't put all that on, on Trubisky, but Trey Burton can be a key component of the, to this offense. I understand a lot of guys are down on Burton. I, I get that. I'm not saying he's ever going to live up to his contract at this point. But there are weapons on this. Tariq Cohen, who has basically been missing since last November. You know, Matt Nagy needs to sit down with his coaching staff and figure out the best ways to get these players the balls in positions where they can have success. Yeah, and I think the best model that he might see all season is in front of him on Sunday. The Eagles are as good or better at that than almost any team in the league. Maybe Kansas City, but again, that's the... (laughs) That's the the Andy Reid coaching tree, Doug Peterson. Those guys do that, and they adjust really, really well. We saw Philadelphia do it a couple of years ago, and they had to pivot to Foles. The first couple of weeks with Foles were terrible. They had a bye. Peterson and his staff sat down and said, hey, what we were doing isn't working. We've got to adjust to what we've got in front of us now. If Nagy does that or is able to do that, um, I I think the Bears have a much better chance because he is learning into play calling. Like you said, he is stubborn. We haven't seen those adjustments, and we've seen that really sort of dead zone from him where his scripted plays in the first quarter are really good. Quarters two and three have been this largely massive wasteland with with not a lot of adjustments after halftime, and then Mitch has picked up some of that fourth quarter Mitch team uh, and sort of rounded it out. So you have these two ends of the game when the Bears are effective in this wide middle where they weren't, and you didn't see that as much in the Chargers game. You saw more effectiveness through the middle of the game because, again, Nagy went away from tendency. You brought up the tight end situation, and I just have to toss in that the one player that I really held out hope for that I didn't really think was reasonable was OJ Howard to the Bears. If that had happened, I would have danced a little. I would have danced a little rain dance out here in the Northwest. That would have been tremendous because the Bears' tight end position has been uh, just basically bereft of talent, and it's really put a hole in the middle of Nagy's offense and hasn't given Trubisky that nice little safety blanket. So that would have been my my high flyer of OG. I'm really happy if it happened, but I really wasn't expecting it. And the other thing, if they do spread four wide and run Montgomery, you know what my favorite thing is about that? Montgomery gets what do you got? Montgomery gets to crush smaller players. 
because <laughs> they're going to line up, you know, 5'10", 185 as their fourth corner. And that's going to be the guy on the inside that Montgomery gets to go against in isolation if the receiver misses the block. I will bet on Montgomery nine times out of ten in that situation. So I would love to see it. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's great if he wants to go bang heads with linebackers, but I'd much rather see him run over undersized cornerbacks that were on the street three weeks ago. That that would be just extremely pleasant for me. So speaking of extremely pleasant, how did the bitter treat you? You know, not bad. Um, I, I don't know if it was the beer. I don't know if it was the conversation. But um, you know, I spent the last couple of days deep into Bears Twitter. It was it was perhaps a mistake. I, I came out a different man on the other side, and, and maybe for the worse. But um, you know, sitting here after having a good conversation with you and, and enjoying a beer, the, the 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 bitterness of my you know my emotions has 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 drifted away some. So. So whether whether it was the conversation or the beer, th- things did go in the right direction. That's a tremendous success. That might be the uh, the greatest success that Bears over Beer has achieved this season, uh, replacing <laughs> Bill's mood. Um, my ten barrel brewing, pray for snow, really good. Uh, a dark winter ale, a little bit of sweetness, almost like a molasses, but plenty of bite on the back end uh, as just a good, heavy, dark beer, the kind you want when the season turns a little bit. You get frost on the pumpkin, you start to get snow in the mountains, and and you want something that's not you know clear beer. And this is on the opposite end of the spectrum from clear beer. So uh, a good round of applause for 10 Barrel on that one. Um, why don't you let everybody else know where they can find your work these days? All right. Well, um, and any podcast I do always pushes out on, on my Twitter account at, at ZimmermanSXM. And, of course, the Windy City Gridiron Twitter 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 account as well. There we go. Um, so you can find Bears Banter there. You'll, you'll find a new episode dropping um, on, on Wednesday this week, every Wednesday moving forward, uh, unless a guest or something gets in the way, which, which sometimes happens from time Those to time. Those silly guests. <laughs> but obviously, you know, there, there, there's plenty, plenty to discuss week in and week out. Um, so, you know, take a, uh, a gander over there and, uh, and, and take it a listen, and, and hopefully you'll enjoy the content. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on this week, filling in for JB while he's on the road. Um, as always, check out all the work at Windy City Gridiron. You can find our podcast there. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Bears Over Beers. You can follow JB even in his ads absence at Gridironborn. I am at the Draftsman FB. And as we look forward or maybe away from this Eagles game, uh, take heart, maybe find your own beer, uh, get a little bit of bitterness out of your soul, put some nice thoughts on Twitter, and bear down. Bear down.